Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. We're talking about work. And the reason we're talking about work is that studies have shown 80% of people don't like what they do. And that 80% of people, if you're really, really, those really lucky types, you'll spend a third of your lifetime working. So that means 80% of us will spend a third of a lifetime not liking what it is that we really do. And we've been saying, are we okay with that? Is God okay with that? And as we've been wrestling through this series on work, it's been wonderful to receive the text messages and notes from people who've said, oh, I just, I needed to hear that or I needed that this week for work. You know, this week I had someone from Canada message through and say, I needed to hear that. So uh, people are listening and it's not just the ears that are in front of us here in Sydney this morning. But what we've been learning is that uh, when we get a new perspective on our work, there can actually be a freedom in your work. There's a freedom in what, what you do, regardless of what you do, because we've learnt that the biblical definition of work is to, and excuse the English, I know it's not correct, but to flourish the people around you, to flourish the context, the places, the families, the friendship groups, the mums groups, the dads groups, the spots that God has placed you, you bring such light and life into those places that they begin to flourish simply because of your presence into that place. And so what it means is whether you are in work, out of work, in between jobs, don't like your job, whether you're a retiree, remember we've learned that everyone has a job to do because your job is not your work, so to speak. So we've discovered there's a freedom in our work that whatever you do, as the scriptures say, do it all as if you are working for God. There is purpose for you tomorrow morning when you head into whatever it is that you will be doing with your life. And what we're going to talk about as we finish off this series this morning is the one last little niggle that we've got to work through. In fact, it's more than a niggle, but it's this. Isn't it possible that we can have a freedom in our work? We, we know what we're doing. There's a big vision, but we're not actually free from our work. Hear the difference? We're free in our work, but we're not free from it. And part of the way that you know someone or you know someone who's suffering from this symptom is that when you go down to the beach, they look like this. You might have seen someone that's like this. You might actually, I don't know, this is Sydney and Crow's Nest. You may actually be this sort of person. I don't know if you're this sort of person that you get to an idyllic spot in paradise like this and you roll the towel out and you lie down and the sun is just pouring on your face and that weird look where you're getting slightly sweaty and then the phone goes off. <laughs> or you find this inexplicable compulsion to have to check your email. Whilst you're in the middle of paradise. Anyone ever seen people that are like this? <laughs> can you believe? Can you believe that the New South Wales unions actually tried to put pressure to get uh, legislation around this? You know, an article in the Sydney Morning Herald said this that unions New South Wales, this is on 29th of December in 2010, so it obviously hasn't happened. Um, Unions New South Wales is calling on companies to introduce rules requiring staff to ignore emails and leave their work phones and computers in the office when they go and leave to stop the invasion of work into holiday time. (laughs) Can you believe this? Here's a question. Why can't we just say no? Why can't you say no? And have you noticed too that you can go on holidays like this and, and physical rest doesn't give you the rest that you're yearning for. 
You can go to paradise and still come back feeling tired. And can I suggest to you this morning that the biggest problem we face with our work is that there is a deep need for soul rest of which physical rest can't give us. And so aren't you glad that the Bible talks about this sort of stuff? (laughs) And there are lots of different reasons why we can't find this sort of physical rest. There's there's a number of them. I think at at the big, broad level, I just think because of technology, we don't rest. It's there. We can see it. Uh, It's always in our face. Uh, I think because uh, job security for people uh, is becoming less and less, so jobs are becoming uh, more and more insecure, and so there's a constant anxiety around that. And I think at the macro level, society, uh, like in the old days, traditional society, you got your sense in, of meaning and significance out of who you, who you were within your family unit. You were born into a class or a race or a part of society, whereas these days, it's all about the individual, right? And so you're the one who makes your destiny. You're the one who has to prove yourself. You're the one who makes yourself a success. And so as a result, our notion of work is just totally out of whack. Have you felt this? I think this is why we've been listening to this. Like It drives us. We've been driven by compulsion into this frenetic pace that's around us. And you don't even have to be employed to do this. (laughs) Work is totally out of whack. We feel like it's out of work, and yet to find the rest that we're looking for, it's like it's not, it's not simple and it's nuanced and it's difficult. And so isn't it wonderful that the Bible, this ancient document, talks about rest? And the beauty is you don't have to be a Christian to follow along in this this morning. In fact, what you can receive this morning, uh, whether you follow Jesus or not, I, I think the sort of stuff that you could get out of what the Scriptures are saying to you this morning is the sort of stuff you pay a couple of thousand dollars to a professional to get. So you're getting this for free. This is awesome. Um, but this morning... Here's, here's what I want us to grasp after four weeks of talking about work. The issue is not your work. The issue is the work beneath your work. Come to verse uh, 3 of Hebrews chapter 4. And yet his works have been finished, God's. God's works have been finished since the creation of the world. And for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Now, what that is talking about there is it's referring to Genesis chapter 2, uh, the creation of the world. It, it's basically painting an amazing picture. We're not going to talk about evolution and creation, all those things at the moment. All I want you to get is the picture that we see from the passage here is, is here is a God who spends All of this time working, which in and of itself was a radically different thing from all the other gods around uh, around the universe. This God is working and this God, uh, in the middle of it, steps back from it, looks at it and goes, oh, that's good. (laughs) Oh, that's good. You know, there's there's pride in your work and then there's arrogance, you know. It's it's good. Now, here's, don't miss this from this passage. Here's... Here's the power of this passage. You know, what, what does it mean God rested? Here's what it means. God was able to look at his work and be satisfied. Now, quick side note. <laughs> How many of us right now, if we stop work right now, when, write down on a piece of paper, are you satisfied with your work, yes or no, what would you write? And I think that's the challenge that we've all been facing is that it's very difficult for you and I to look at our work. This is the thing that is driving us. It's 
difficult for us to rest from our work because we're not satisfied with our work for a whole host of reasons that we've been talking about. But there is a dynamic here that drives this dissatisfaction like a two-stroke engine and it is constantly pumping away at the centre of your soul. And the fuel for that engine, I call it this, I call it the inner murmur of inadequacy. I, and I, I, blame, I blame Australia's Wonderland, Luna Park, Disneyland, those places for this problem. <laughs> because if you're listening in on the podcast, I'll let you on in on a secret. I'm happy to say this, but I'm short. I'm short. <laughs> I'm not blessed with a huge amount of height. And so you can imagine for me as a kid, when I went to Australia's Wonderland out at Eastern Creek there, remember Australia's Wonderland? You know, I would be haunted. I would be haunted by these little... Um, Wooden painted figures that had a little arm and a sign that says, you must be this tall to ride this ride. (laughs) Anyone else had that experience? It would terrify me. I hated it. You know, I spend the whole time going around Wonderland trying to stretch up and make myself a little bit taller. It's the nightmare of every kid of my genetics between the ages of seven and eight. (laughs) That's what causes the inner murmur of inadequacy because you know, we laugh at it. We think, oh, that's just Disneyland. No, no, you and I carry this into every part of our lives. All of us carry, carry these signs. You, you must be this tall to ride this ride. You must have this education to feel like you're good enough. You must have to have this house in this location to feel good enough. You have to have this job to feel like you are good enough. And all of us, come on, if we're real with ourselves, are stretching. And that constant stretching is that engine that is that inner murmur of inadequacy. That constant voice inside of us, that constant drive of the engine to say, I must prove myself. I must prove myself to my boss. I must prove myself uh, to my friends. And I must prove myself to my family. I must prove myself to mum and dad. And for some of you this morning, mum and dad haven't even been with you for years and decades. And you're still trying to prove yourself to them. And it's this thing, it's this inner murmur of inadequacy that's the work beneath the work. Does this make sense? And so that's why it doesn't matter. You can, you can sit on the beach at Hamilton Island and that two-stroke engine is constantly chugging over and over and over and over. And you can be in the middle of paradise and bang, those thoughts, those voices pop into your head and we are anxious and we're exhausted. We're exhausted. Some of you have been spending your life trying to shut this thing down. And the, the promise, it says, now let's not forget the promise of entering his rest. The promise that is for you this morning and that God has for you this morning is that he can shut this thing down. He can switch it off. Such is his power as to what I'm going to share with you this morning and so where do we go from all of this? Can you, can you see now how the issue is not the job? Because, you know, the scary thing is we take this everywhere we go. And so you can imagine as a pastor, I'm constantly doing life with people that had the issue with this particular job and then they went to the next job and they had the same issue again and they went to the next job. And It's not to do with the work. It's to do with the work beneath the work. And we're constantly exhausted from all of this, but it's not the job. The deep rest that we so desperately need is not a rest from our work because we've learned that work is a good thing and a God thing. The rest we need is a rest from ourselves. 
to turn the engine off, to turn the voices off. And so where do we go here from with all of this? Look, what I love about God is he created us. We at least believe that principle. So he understands the human condition. He wrote, he wrote the operating manual for it. And so he mandates this rest. He says, you must rest. It's my laws. New Testament Christians, we don't have to follow that law. We'll talk about it in a second. In fact, that's the biggest danger is that we don't have to follow it. But he mandated it for the people of God in Exodus. Have a look here in uh, Exodus chapter 20. He says, remember the Sabbath day, six days you shall labor and do all your work. On the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You know what I love about that? You know what that verse says to me from the Old Testament? Yeah, guys, I'll tell you what to do as your God, but I will never call you into something that I'm not willing to go through myself. And then he says, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, and then I brought you out of Egypt, and therefore I'm commanding you because I, observe, uh, because I brought you out of Egypt, I'm now commanding you to observe the Sabbath. So here's we get the reason why. He's saying, I command that you guys rest, not because, oh, the Bible told you so. And they didn't have the Bible back then, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> not because I said so. I'm commanding you to rest because when you were slaves in Egypt, you had no choice but to work. And in fact, when I command you to rest now, this is not a commandment just to do something. This is now a declaration of your freedom. God is saying, I can rest because I can. And when I command you to rest, it's a declaration of freedom because you're saying, I rest because I can. I'm free to rest. And so that's all you need to do. Just take a day off. Take a day off this week. <laughs> Some of you are already thinking, Sam, do you know what my schedule looks like this week? You know, there's no way I'm going to go into the boss. You know, it's going to, going to go in tomorrow like we're getting ready for a board meeting. And sorry, can't do the papers, boss. You know, I'm Sabbathing. <laughs> go, go try and do that this week and see what happens. Um, but I, I, do, I do think it gets to why this is such a wrestle for us. Like, isn't it interesting that the, the Bible mandates rest and yet we find it so incredibly difficult to find. I, I think there's, a, there's a, a couple of reasons for this. You know, what's really interesting is here's, here's this ancient tradition that we've got here where God mandates this. And we think, oh, this, this is a dumb, weird, old tradition. And yet the, the, whole, the whole irony is that we are living in a society that is totally exhausted, totally overworked and we've got these exhausted overworked people driving their SUVs into mechanics in order to get worked on whilst they're driving their souls into the ground I mean the crazy thing is that you know that rest and being worked on is good for your car and yet we're all operating out of a paradigm that says you know what I'm just going to keep driving this thing until it sinks it's it's crazy it's crazy I think part of the reasons that we struggle with this fundamentally, if we're real with ourselves, is we're scared. We fear rest and for a couple of reasons. Of course, you know, oh, if I say no to the boss around this, if I tell my boss I'm Sabbathy, I'm going to get, I'm going to get fired. That's why we chuckle. You know, I think that's, that's a reality. And so we fear like the financial loss. If you're running your own business, you're like, well, I can't take the foot off the pedal or I'm not going to make the numbers this year. We fear the financial loss. But, you know, I think even at a deeper level for some people, the scariest place for them in the world 
is just a beach, them and God. Because wouldn't you agree, you know, I think for some people, part of the benefit for them about a society that is consuming you and driving you is it distracts you from yourself. And I think for some people, being alone with just you and God is the scariest place in the universe. And we're scared of seeing who we really are. And we move into these spaces where we're suddenly to Sabbath means we, we, we lift the lid off all of that stuff that we use a little bit of society's energy and fuel to just push down underneath. And so I think fundamentally we're scared. We're scared of Sabbath. And the warning from the scriptures then, because of this dynamic and because God knows you so well, then the scriptures say this to us, please, it says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, it means since, please understand, even though you are New Testament Christians, you don't have to observe the law of the Sabbath. Please, even though this still stands, be very careful that none of you don't do this. It's saying God has created you for this. There are, there are some parts of those ancient traditions which they haven't carried forward as New Testament Christians, but there's some parts that's just part of the makeup of who you are. And what this is saying is, look, please understand, this is part of God's operating manual for your life. You know it sits in the glove box of your SUV. This is what it's saying. Every now and then, you need to go in for a service. And please don't forget to service the car. So I'm going to give you a couple of tips on servicing Servicing your soul. <laughs> um, some internal checks, external checks. The first internal disciplines are this. What you do, you have to set up a platform internally where you say this is an act of liberation. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. It's an act of liberation. I'm doing this because I can. And it's also an act of trust. Lord, I know that if I take a day of rest here, I might lose a client. There might be financial loss. There might be implications of what I'm doing. But you know what, Lord, I trust you with that. So it's an act of liberation. It's an act of trust. And then once you've built that foundation internally, then you can move into your external disciplines of Sabbath. The first one is this, just prioritize Sabbath time. Do you take a day off a week to do nothing? A day off a week for God, book it in the diary. That's not hard. I've heard Dallas Willard say, uh, your diary shows you what you value. <laughs> and, and he also said, you know, whilst God is the Lord of the universe, you're the Lord of your daytimer. They're those old physical diaries that we used to have before iCal. <laughs> right? You're in charge of your diary. Prioritize the Sabbath time. Second one is balance your Sabbath time. You know, do something that's not your job. Do something that's Different from what you do. Something that's creative. My mentor, uh, he started PetSketcher.com. Yeah, my mentor is a minister and he sketches pets for a living. <laughs> Sketch a pet. I don't know, just do something that's not your job. I can't think of anything that's more diametrically opposed to ministry than pet sketching. So he, he draws watercolours of, you know, of Miffy, your little cat. Um, just do something different. Just do nothing. This, this is the hardest one for you productive types. You know, I know what you productive types are like because you're like me. Okay, I'm going to Sabbath. And you go Sabbathing like with five different manila folders of things you've got to do and things you've got to organise at the house. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this set up. I'm going to work it through. I'm going to get it all, all together. I'm really going to use this day to just get life in order. I did that you know, once when I was sermon prepping. I often prep for these series uh, up at... 
uh, Avoca Beach where there's some headspace for me. And I took all my materials with me and my iPad and the whole lot. And I sat there on a chair and it felt like it was two and a half, three hours later that I sat there and like nothing's happening. I'm praying, Lord, give me a revelation. You know, give me something amazing to take back to the church. And it was just like nothing. And in that moment, I'm like, like what, Lord, what are, you do- what are you doing here? You know, and God said to me in that moment, you know, not, not in an audible voice, but in a way that you have a th- conversation in your head with you. You understand what I'm saying, right, Christians? We're not crazy. You know, God does speak. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? You know, why, why, can, why am I not getting anything? And he said to me in that moment, I'm just showing you that the church doesn't revolve around you. Like you just sat me there for two and a half hours to go. The world doesn't revolve around you. It's my church. Gates of hell's not going to overcome it. You think a little bit of two hours of time just with me is going to stop the thing? <laughs> so just take some, some time out. Some just do, do nothing in all of that. Be accountable with your Sabbath time. That's a quick, easy one. Uh, here's how you probably know if you're not being accountable with your Sabbath time. Uh, your spouse or your partner or whoever it is just starts smashing plates on the floor and says, I'm tired of you and how much you're working and this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, there, there are going to be people in your life that are saying you're overworked. You need to know this. This is just too much. Then um, here's the last one. Create breathing room in your week. If you're the sort of person that says, Sam, there is no way that I'm going to get a day, a week out of my work at the moment. Okay, start with this. Glean your week. And this is what I mean by this. I did a whole series on this called Breathing Room. But you basically, uh, gleaning was an Old Testament principle where they didn't, uh, the, the Jewish people were told they weren't able to harvest all the way to the perimeter of their fields. So they didn't harvest, they didn't utilise the full 100% of their field. And so the principle of gleaning is, is, that, is that you don't push yourself to the limits in a given week. Now, what I'm not saying is don't be the sort of employee that you're right in the middle of like, you know, year-end accounts or something, it's almost 30 June, and work's pushing ahead and, and you've, you've got a mountain of work due and you walk out the door and the boss says, where the heck are you going? And you say, I'm gleaning. Right? <laughs> You know, I've set myself a limit. <laughs> you know, Sam, my pastor said that, you know, I need to set a limit and so I'm gleaning. Don't do that. <laughs> no, gleaning, gleaning is the principle whereby discipline you build some margin and for, for space with God. And it goes like this, you know, for, for me, I, I start my week, you know, with my day, my electronic day timer and my COVID management planner and all the fun productivity things I like to do. And I pray over that and I say to that thing, Lord, in the 45 hours or so a week that I'm going to give you this week, and that's all I can do. You know, I've got three kids and family, and I said, Lord, with, with, with the time I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you 100%. But with the rest, you know, I'm going to give you what I can do so you can multiply what I did do. I'm going to give you what I can do so you can multiply what I did do. You, you glean your week. You, set, you don't push yourself to the limit. And so, there we go, just do that. <laughs> do that. That's easy, isn't it? Isn't that how it works? You know, no, look, if, if you are getting to the point with all of this where you're saying, Sam, you are just off your rocker and you've got no concept of modern society and what you're on about, um, then good. You've heard the reality around what Sabbath is all, of, all about because it's a wrestle. And we need to understand that Sabbath rest is an act of faith.
It's an act of faith. And at some point, you're going to have to choose in the middle of all of these anxieties and this inner murmur, this engine that's going around, do I, am I trusting God or am I trusting myself to make my world go around? It's an act of faith. That's why Jesus screams to you and I this morning. He says, come to me, all of you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me. You know, come learn, as Eugene Peterson says in the message, come learn my unfettered rhythms of grace. And this is what I think all of us need in this place this morning, particularly with the city that we live in and the space that we're in. I think this is what we need. This is what you need, particularly if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to follow him and find your rest. Because here's how he gives you this rest. Jesus is the only boss that when you follow him, he won't flog you. And if you fail him, he'll forgive you. And when we take, when we take that into that When you understand that in Jesus Christ, the only one that you need to perform to and the only set of eyes that matter love you anyway, regardless of what you do, it shuts off the engine, the inner murmur of inadequacy. And so that's what's ahead of you and I this morning. It's not easy to enter into. That's why it's called a discipline, a spiritual discipline. It takes focus to overcome these fears that we have. And it takes focus to move into the discipline of finding rest. That's why it says, if this promise stands, do all you can to move into this rest beneath the physical rest. We have to understand the only way that we're going to do that is pushing through and trusting God with these parts of our lives that make us so deadly anxious. And so I leave you with this. Just a little poem. Lay your deadly doing down. Weary, working, burdened one, wherefore toil you so? Cease your doing, all was done long, long ago. Till to Jesus' work you cling by a simple faith. Doing is a deadly thing, doing ends in death. So lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him, in him alone, gloriously complete. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every single one of us this morning that as we move into the varied rhythms of our week, there would be people in this place where finding a day a week is not an issue at all, but finding a day a week where they are alone with you and focused upon you. Oh, that's the tricky bit. Father, for uh, those of us that are in spaces where the pace seems frenetic and where the true anxieties are really the work beneath the work. Father, I'd pray that throughout this message and as we head into this week that you would be speaking to each and every one of us. And that as we step into deeper levels of faith and trust in you, that, that we would each discover that which we've been singing about this morning, that we would find rest in the Father's hands and that we would leave the rest to the Father's hands. That's our prayer this morning, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. 
If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.